I think a lot of people nowadays are so arrogant. If I was to start again from the beginning, or let's just say I'm staying where I am right now, but I want to start into a new business or get into a new venture, the very first thing I would do is think, who's at the top of the industry and how can I get a hold of them? It's the same thing I did in real estate. I thought of who's at the top of the industry, Jazz Takar, and how can I get a hold of this person? And it was through an introduction from his friend. If I were to start in any business, I'll give you an example. Just last year, I started a side business called AutoVision GTA. And what that company is, it's an auto detailing company that services specifically used car dealerships. The reason why we work with used car dealerships is because since these people are always buying and selling cars, they always need them to get cleaned prior to when they get sold. So what my team does is they clean the insides and outsides of the car before it gets sold, whenever they put them in their presentation center, in their sales center, whatever it is, my team does the cleaning. It's an outside company that does that for used car dealers, and that's myself. The only reason why I was able to scale that business from doing zero cars a month to 100 cars a month within four months is because I networked my way into that position. I stopped and thought, okay, well, now I have this side business. I'm only doing one to two cars a week. Who's at the top of the business and how can I get a hold of this person? I opened up my contact list and I remembered I know somebody that owns a dealership that does 20, 30 cars per month. I reached out to this dealership and I said, listen, I started this business. You and I have been friends for a year and a half now. I'd like to do your cars for an extremely discounted rate, a 20% discount. In exchange, I would like you to just be our guinea pig. Do me this favor. In exchange, I'm going to be saving you 20% on your money. He agreed to it. He gave me 20 cars a month for a good two months. And then afterwards, he introduced me to another dealership that was doing 100 cars a month. So within the matter of four months, I went from doing one to two cars a month or a week, excuse me, to now doing 120, 130 cars a month. And that's a total side business. My brother manages that. I'm still a full-time real estate agent with my real estate company. But the only way I got to both of the positions that I'm in on both companies is because I said, who's killing the game and how can I get a hold of that person? To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we're speaking with Luke Leasing. He is one of the top 1% of the realtors in Canada, and he's here to share his message, his story with us. Luke, could you please introduce yourself? Let people Know just a little more about you, please. Thank you so much for having me, Ed. Yes, uh, I am part of the one, the top 1% of realtors across Canada. I've been in business for about four years now. And after networking my way to the position that I am in, 
I can confidently say that I am in the top 1% of realtors across Canada. And I, achieve, I achieved that at the young age of 21 and I am now 22 years old. Well, that's pretty awesome. That takes some work and work ethic. Let's start there. Where did Luke get his work ethic from? It's it's hard to really pinpoint exactly where it came from because for as long as I can remember, I always had that kind of dog in me. And I think where a lot of that stemmed from was just my uncomfortable reality. I have the typical story that a lot of people hear of where I grew up with no money, immigrant parents, et cetera, et cetera. The card that I was dealt with was something I simply was not satisfied satisfied with. I knew there was something out there that was bigger and better than the reality that I was faced with for the first 18, 19 years of my life. So the work ethic came simply from being so uncomfortable that I couldn't just sit and stay still where I was at. I mean, I like to use the perfect analogy that if you put your hand on, on a running stove, you're going to take it off because it's uncomfortable and it's hot and it's painful. So I was always uncomfortable. I always felt pain in, in, in my upbringing. And because of that, I took my hand out. It's as simple as that. It's, it's actually the best learning tool that we have, discomfort. And some people, they set in it and they live in it. But some of us, we just don't like that. And we tend to get out of it. And that takes work. And what you just explained that really drives us not having what we really see as necessity in our grasp. So that's a main one for a lot of us. And if we can actually take that and use that, you can really do some change in our world. So what got you into real estate? Yeah, that's a great question. It honestly came because it was out of desperation in a well, in, in a way. When I was in high school, right towards the end of my last graduating year in high school, probably three months before I graduated, after getting accepted to university and college offers, I denied all of them. And it was simply because I knew that I didn't want to be put through the indoctrination system that I knew that the education system that we have here in the West is. So I refused that. I was very depressed if you will. I don't know if I really believe in depression in that way, but I, I would consider myself someone that was very sad, anxious, because I was being put through something I didn't want to go through. But by the time that I was in my graduating year, my parents had been putting money into uh, like a, a fund offered by the government that would grow an in interest, would have interest paid out to that fund if it was being used solely for educational purposes. We here in Canada call it RESPs. So it was, a, it was a registered fund that I can only be accessed if I went to school. My parents had money in that RESPs. And if I didn't go to school, they would lose that money. So we found, in a way, kind of a loophole. Because to get your license in Canada, it was very quick and easy at the time, back in 2018. It only took me eight months. But I can also access that fund that, that we uh, originally wanted to, to get out of, that RESP. So... The, really, I did it out of desperation. I got into real estate because that was the only way for my parents to get that money out of that fund. And also, I mean, it kind of put them at ease because, hey, to, in their eyes, it's just like, well, at least Luke's not doing nothing. It was never my intentions, intentions to not do anything. I mean, I started my first business when I was 18 back in 2018. 
And, and that first business was a marketing agency. And our clients were specifically real estate agents, realtors. So I already knew realtors. I already understood a general, you know, I, I understood the general basics of real estate as a salesperson. And I thought, well, if I can, you know, mix what I know, you know, and pair that with the fact that it can help my parents get their money out, then, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I was looking you up on the internet and I come across a statement. You don't list properties. What does that mean? You don't list properties. I know it's so funny. A lot of people ask me that question, Ed, because I've been in real estate for, you know, as I mentioned, coming up to four years now, and I've sold well over $180 million worth of real estate, but I've never once put a lawn sign up on anyone's lawn. Yeah. I don't list properties. The reason being is because I'm in a very specific niche in real estate. And what I do is I sell something called pre-construction developments. You're essentially buying, it's primarily condos. So for a pre-construction condo, you're essentially buying a condo for today's values, but it's not going to be built for another three to four years on average. And, you know, you live in, you know, we're here in Canada and the U.S., Historically speaking, property values double every 10 years. So we know that if we buy it for today and it's going to be ready in four years from now, we know it's going to increase in value over time. So because I'm in a very specific niche in real estate, I don't often put lawn signs up on people's lawns. And so that's why I say that I don't list properties because that's not really my specialty. I have 51 agents on my team. One of those guys or gals can take care of it. But I have a very specific niche, and that's helping investors invest in pre-construction developments. I like that a lot. Now, what you do is a lot of networking. That's connections. Talk to us about making those connections, how you keep those connections, and why you should value your networking connections. Absolutely. So at any points in anyone's career or in their life, I firmly believe in the power of networking. The reason being is I'll give you an example. When I first got licensed at 18, actually, excuse me, I was just 19 at this time. I went to a networking event in downtown Toronto. And there I met a handful of different mortgage brokers, real estate agents, investors, things of that sort. And I really clicked and connected with this one guy named Jamal. Jamal eventually went on to put me into a WhatsApp group chat. And in there was a bunch of other investors and they would share real estate deals with each other. I eventually found this one guy, his name is Mike Seal, based in Windsor, Ontario, which is about a five hour drive away from Toronto. And I, and I, and I clicked on his profile and I said, Mike, you're killing it because I see this guy selling all these different investment properties. At the time, because I was new in real estate, 19 years old with zero deals in my, under my belt, I reached out to Mike and said, listen, Mike, I'll move to Windsor just to learn from you. And then he stopped me for a second and said, don't do anything crazy like that. That's a five minute, five hour drive from where you currently call home. Speak to my friend named Jazz. He lives in Toronto and he's, and he's killing the game in Toronto. I'd never heard of Jazz before. But I then called his friend Jazz Takar. And then I found out that he ran the number one team for Royal LePage across all of Canada. So then I called Jazz. I said, listen, I want to work on your team as your friend Mike Seal made this introduction to you. Jazz then stopped me and said, how old are you? I said, I'm 19 at the time. He said, how long have you been in business for? I said, six months. He said, how many deals have you done? I said, zero. I've done nothing. I don't know how to do anything in this business. He says, well, unfortunately, we don't take on junior agents. 
And then I stopped and said to Jazz, I said, listen, I think you're making a big mistake if you don't meet me. And then he's he's just like, oh, it took me. I, I, I can hear the pause in the call. He didn't say much. And he asked me to schedule a time to meet him next week. And I booked on the very first available time slot, which was 8 a.m. on a Monday. I showed up wearing a suit, looking as sharp as possible. And then he said, the moment I saw that you did that, I knew we were going to take you on our team. So for year one, I served as his assistant, his executive assistant to learn everything about real estate. By year two, I started my own real estate career. And then it took off ever since. But to your question about networking, that only happened because I networked my way into that position. That's right. And, you know, that's what life really is, networking with people. Or you, you're you just sitting there. You'll be alone. And I, I really think uh, you do that very well and you show confidence and you're secure in what you do. That matters a lot, especially when you're trying to sell something. If if you're trying to sell yourself instead of just knowing you've got what it takes and you're going to present this, talk to me about that. What gives you that power? Yeah, I think I'll be I'll be quite honest. When I first started, I wasn't that confident. And the reason being is because confident comes from experience. So the more experience you have, you're naturally going to be more confident in the things you do, which is also why I don't understand that when people tell me that they're too nervous to do something, I stop and think and tell them, of course, you're too nervous to do this one thing that you keep claiming to be nervous about. It's because you haven't done it enough. You know what I mean? You're never nervous to brush your teeth because you've been doing it ever since the day you were born, right? So the more experience you have, the more confidence you have. And if you were, if you and I were to have this podcast recording two and a half years ago, I'd probably be shaking a little bit with my words and saying, um, and ah, and pausing, right? Yeah. Maybe even yourself. Ed. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I could tell from the way you present yourself as a host, you're not slurring or you're not stuttering or any of these things. It's because I've seen your profiles. You've done hundreds of these podcast recordings, but it's because of the experience you have is what breeds your confidence. So to a lot of the people out there, whether you're a salesperson or, or, or not, confidence and competence will only come from experience. So you have to That's accept right. the fact for the first couple of months, first year, two years of your career, of your business, you have to accept the fact that you're going to be a little bit more timid, but that's because you should be. You should harness that keep waking up every single day and doing the things you need to do. And then you will be confident. And then your clients will be able to smell that from you. And when they smell that confidence, they That's know, the they know you've done this hundreds of times and they'll feel more confident in working with you because they know then at that point you have experience. That's so true. And you know, what builds that confidence and that success is a lot of failures. And when when we talk about discomfort, we talk about failure. What are some of the failures that have helped you succeed in life? Man, I mean, I fail every single day, and and there, there's always something that could be improved upon. So, like, I, I wouldn't say there's one specific thing, but I think one thing that I also, until now, that I also find that. I would say that I'm not the most satisfied with by myself. And at the same time, some may have an argument saying that it's unhealthy to think this way is that I feel like I could still work more. 
I feel like, yes, I, I, I put in the typical 10, 11, 12 hours per day, six days a week, but there's seven days a week. You know what I mean? Why not use that seventh day to add another 12 hours to my, to, to my work schedule? That's the thing, right? There's always that in the back of my mind, knowing that I could be better. I don't know if anyone would want to consider that a failure. I don't think so. I think it's just me being very hard on myself when it comes to standards, but I just feel like I can just be better overall, despite the fact that I've sold $180 million, you know, in real estate by the age of 22, I could have done it by the age of 20. It's just knowing that, that I have to be sharper every single day. That is what I consider failure because yeah, sure. I've done X amount of sales by 22, but I could have done it by 21. I could have done it by 20. Well, knowing that you're actually acknowledging some of your own weakness. And when you acknowledge your own weakness, that's when you get over it. I love it. Uh, what, what do you want out of your podcasting journey? What type of message do you want to give to people that listen to our podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll be, I'll make this very clear right now. At any time throughout this conversation, I will never sell anything. I don't have a course. I don't have a training program. I'm not a one-on-one consultant where you can pay me a thousand bucks an hour. That's not my goal. My goal is simply just to share my story to one gain credibility, because now that I'm creating that footprint online, Despite the fact that I have the, you know, the accomplishments that I have, it'll make me more credible when I speak to my clients and they can see me that I was on Ed Waters' podcast because then they think, okay, so this guy's out here educating people and expecting nothing in return. That's one. And the second thing is, is that there's a lot of people out there that give advice, but a lot of it is not practical because they, a lot of people will tell you to sit and read a book and if you close your eyes and meditate, five minutes a day, you're going to become a millionaire. I like to narrow down the harsh truth to when it comes to business development. Here's the three things that you have to do. And if you do them every single day, it's impossible for you to not make money. And I like to have my approach come from that perspective, that set of lens, like, here's exactly what you need to do. Let's cut out all the garbage. Because speaking from personal experience, Ed, I started making a lot more money when I stopped doing the cold showers, when I stopped reading books, when I stopped meditating. As long as I kept doing the three main things from an actual work perspective, that's when I made all the money because I cut out hours of wasting time to this, you know, rah-rah universe, manifestation stuff. I believe in that. But when you dedicate too much time to that, it's a waste of time. You have to spend more hours working. And when I learned that, that's when the game changed for me. So now I'm teaching people the opposite of advice from what most gurus are teaching, which is to do this, this, and that, because those guys are just there to sell you a course anyway. But since I don't sell a course, I can let your audience confidently know that I'm not coming from the position of trying to make a buck out of them. Well, you know, it's similar to Elon Musk and his formula for success. You've got to put the work in. And everybody has a choice. So if you're not putting the work in, you're not going to develop as quick as others may. And Elon is a great example of that. He says, don't follow this. Don't do it because it's hard work. That's what success is. Hard work or else you're not successful. 
So I, I like that. I like the mindset that you've got to put the work in, the effort. And a lot of people, they want to start at the top when actually you can reach out to the top for advice, but you really have to start at the bottom and work your way through so you know the whole gamut of what you're doing. What's your take on that? Yeah, I 110% completely agree with you. I think a lot of people nowadays are so arrogant. If I was to start again from the beginning, or let's just say I'm staying where I am right now, but I want to start into a new business or get into a new venture, the very first thing I would do is think, who's at the top of the industry and how can I get a hold of them? It's the same thing I did in real estate. I thought of who's at the top of the industry, Jazz Takar, and how can I get a hold of this person? And it was through an introduction from his friend. If I were to start in any business, I'll give you an example. Just last year, I started a side business called AutoVision GTA. And what that company is, it's an auto detailing company that services specifically used car dealerships. The reason why we work with used car dealerships is because since these people are always buying and selling cars, they always need them to get cleaned prior to when they get sold. So what my team does is they clean the insides and outsides of the car before it gets sold, whenever they put them in their presentation center, in their sales center, whatever it is, my team does the cleaning. It's an outside company that does that for used car dealers, and that's myself. The only reason why I was able to scale that business from doing zero cars a month to 100 cars a month within four months is because I networked my way into that position. I stopped and thought, okay, well, now I have this side business. I'm only doing one to two cars a week. Who's at the top of the business and how can I get a hold of this person? I opened up my contact list and I remembered I know somebody that owns a dealership that does 20, 30 cars per month. I reached out to this dealership and I said, listen, I started this business. You and I have been friends for a year and a half now. I'd like to do your cars for an extremely discounted rate, a 20% discount. In exchange, I would like you to just be our guinea pig. Do me this favor. In exchange, I'm going to be saving you 20% on your money. He agreed to it. He gave me 20 cars a month for a good two months. And then afterwards, he introduced me to another dealership that was doing 100 cars a month. So within the matter of four months, I went from doing one to two cars a month or a week, excuse me, to now doing 120, 130 cars a month. And that's a total side business. My brother manages that. I'm still a full-time real estate agent with my real estate company. But the only way I got to both of the positions that I'm in on both companies is because I said, who's killing the game and how can I get a hold of that person? So I completely agree with you. If I were to ever get into podcasting, I know exactly who I would be speaking to first. <laughs> you know, and, and I have that mentality myself about it's Kobe Bryant. You know, the master there, he, he has a list and he doesn't care how long it takes. He'll check them off one at a time and know that he's going up the ladder and having that mentality. I don't have to be the best. I will be the best later. So that already makes me the best. And you've got to have that attitude. And that helps you develop your skills. I love that mindset. And when I heard that from Kobe, I've listened to that and I took it. And I love that philosophy. It's great. Do you have anything you want to add to our conversation before we call to action for you? 
Yeah, I think right now with 2023 just kicking off, if 2020, if the end of 2022 wasn't a wake-up call for everybody, it's that it's getting harder and harder. Wages are not changing. Inflation is killing everybody. It's not 7 or 8%, which is what the government's telling you. It's much higher than that. If we don't take action now on pivoting and making changes to our lives, it's going to be very difficult to do it. Because yesterday you said tomorrow, and the day before that you also said that. So my advice to everybody that's listening, whether you're a business person, a salesperson, doesn't matter who you are, you need to be making quick and actionable steps to pivoting now because there's going to be a, an exchange in the in the world when it comes to political powerhouses. And I'm not talking about you know Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal. I think there's going to be massive changes with what's happening right now between countries. And, and if you're not able to put yourself in a position where you can stay protected, regardless of what happens in the world, like a lot of people are going to start to lose. We're seeing it now with interest rates rising. People are losing homes. It's a real thing. It's not something you're just reading the, you know, about in the news. People are losing their homes because of what's happening right now. And that's just what's happening here in the West. We can look at some of the wars that are now happening in Brazil and Mexico that just kicked off this weekend, just this past Sunday. A lot of things are happening. My advice for anyone, whether you're a business person or not, have a sense of urgency to change your life ASAP Get your finances straight. And I think the best way to do that is speak to someone that's doing very well in your industry. Even if you're not in that specific industry, speak to someone that knows something more than you, something that you don't know, and then connect with that person to see how you can bring value to them. And that person will stop you from hitting your head. Because if I didn't have jazz or the dealership contacts that I, that I had when I first started my auto business, I would have been hitting my head repeatedly, making the same mistakes over and over. But because I had somebody to say, Luke, you're doing it wrong. This is what you should do. Trust me here. Because I had someone overwatching that, that cut my learning curve in half. So my advice is have a sense of urgency to change quickly because things are going to start changing on you quickly and you have to be ready. And the best way to do that is to connect with somebody that knows something that you don't know. Someone at the top of your industry and if you can bring value to that person, then they'll be able to gladly help you and prevent you from hitting your head repeatedly against the wall. That's good, solid advice. I love that. And with the world the way it is, yeah, I 100% agree with that. We are in for something. I'm not sure quite what it is, but there is change in the atmosphere and you'd better be on top of your game. That's for sure call to action for our listeners. Yeah, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not selling anything, but the best way to connect with me is probably through my website. It's lukeleasing.com. That's spelled L-U-C-L-I-S-I-N-G.com. And in terms of messaging me directly, I'm most active on Instagram, which is at Luke Leasing, and as well as Twitter, which is also at Luke Leasing. Luke, you're a very powerful person and you are going places. I, I really want to connect with you in 10 years and see how far you've really advanced because you might be ruling a country somewhere. <laughs> you know, you're on the right track, sir, and you're doing a good job. I thank you for the time that you've spent with us today and keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Ed. And we'll do this again in 10 years and we'll, we'll, we'll compare the differences 10 years, you know, 10 years from now.
We'll see if I'm wrong or right. <laughs> That's right. Thank you for joining us today. If you found this podcast enlightening, entertaining, educational in any way, please share, like, subscribe, and join us right back here next week for another great episode of Dead America Podcast. I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.